what conditions are stipulations. I'll be sage then, because it's very southwestern. Yeah. Um, regional stories. So, regional stories. <laughs> this is my leap. So, Padfoot95 on Instagram. That's a Harry Potter reference. Yeah, it is. And I assume a year. Oh, probably. That was the year I was born. Oh, huh. You guys can be friends. That's be usually how friendships are born. Um, so, I posted this photo of me in the Forbidden City in Beijing. Which is great. You can see Mao's corpse. Mao Zedong's corpse. That's... I've been trying to see that for years. I know. Well, now you know where to go. Um, it's... As a side note, like, it's very interesting because it's just, like, silent. Is it shriveled? No. It's pretty well preserved. Bump? It's not like Lenin's, which is falling apart. And that's really sad. You know what? The Soviets technology. I know. could not get that shit together. And with the temperature, you'd think that maybe it could hold up for a they little longer. They should have just put him in a snowbank. That I probably know. would have preserved him fine. Throw some salt on him. Yeah, so he's falling apart. Mao is doing okay. Uh, looks pretty waxen, but it's just, like, fully silent and reverent in there. And if you, like, put a foot out of line while you respectfully file past his corpse, like, the guards really jump on you. Anyways. Well, that's very Mao, so. I know, you yeah. know, even in death, he is ruling with an iron fist there. Keeping it alive. So, uh, I, yes, yeah, so I was in the Forbidden City. I was 16, and this Mongolian woman came up to me and just, like, wordlessly handed me her baby. And so I'm like, oh, great, cool. Now I, I guess I have a baby now. And she Congratulations. Up, I, it was, and that boy is And that boy now is my son. 10 years old and living in Mackenzie's. Oh, my God. It would be 10. It would be 10, yeah. That's crazy. 10 plus. Um, so she ended up just, like, getting a camera and just, like, smiling and taking a photo of me, holding her baby, which, as I said on Instagram, only marginally less weird, because I, I don't know this child. I don't know this woman. No. But I hope that he has enjoyed that photo as much as I did, because then, of course, my parents went and got their camera, and they're like, this is a beautiful moment. Um, so such is the story of me being handed a small child in Beijing. It was, it was your beautiful golden hair. She she was probably like, look yeah. at this goddess with golden hair. I'm going to hand my baby to her. I did, yeah, a couple people wanted to take photos with me in Japan and China. I By the way, this is uh, exceedingly persuasive. I'm Brooke yeah. Rogers. I'm Mackenzie Brennan. Thanks for joining us on I'm this trip to the Forbidden City. Famous overseas, yes. <laughs> Not here, though. Famous overseas. <laughs> they know me. That's like so my girlfriend is Right, no, Canada. I swear. <laughs> uh, I'm famous overseas. So Don't look me up, though. This has been another crazy week in the world of American politics. So exhausted. I'm just tired all the time now. And it's it's only the politics. It's only, that's that's it. it. That's all that's getting me down. Um, just the constant flow of information and crimes. <laughs> just the ever... So many crimes! Uh, so, speaking of crimes... <laughs> yeah, let's start the, with your the, favorite crime. The big... The big thing that happened this... One of the big things that happened this week. Uh, we're just going to dig into the pile of big things and pull this one out. And what did we pull out? Roger Stone. Get our hands dirty. Very <laughs> dirty. Um, Roger Stone, 
who was indicted on charges of, I think, campaign something or other. Yeah, it, like tamper, witness tampering. There we um, go. Witness intimidation. I think there was like a campaign finance thing. Yeah. Usually you can add racketeering to that shit because racketeering just throw is that just one like on. making interstate commerce money off of any number of felonies. <laughs> that racketeering is such a badass term for kind of a lame crime. It's you know? one that it, it's so big. You're a racketeer, sir. I know. And I, even after I graduated law school, had no idea what racketeering was. <clears throat> and I ended up asking my judge because he was the DA. So I was like, if you don't know, nobody, literally nobody knows. There there might be nobody it's who like, knows what racketeering what is. It's like, what is a caucus? Is. So I looked at the statute and it's like, if you have engaged in through interstate commerce or made money from any of the listed crimes. And then it's like money laundering, uh robbery burglary rape murder it's just like anything any crime any crime and then you just you did it in like an organized crime way or in a way that crossed borders or you made money okay <laughs> a very umbrella term so that's it that's racketeering <laughs> it's just to tack on to other crimes all right but roger stone i think we mentioned this when he was indicted he was indicted on or not indicted he was indicted and convicted of yes, that's right. Either like seven or nine charges, like federal crimes, in the eastern or southern district of New York. I believe it was the southern district. Southern district, southern district had district. A, a heavy part in this in this uh, play. That yeah. is two thousand. So southern district is Manhattan. Eastern district is Brooklyn and Queens. So you usually see one or the other. So yeah, it was uh, seven counts against Stone, including one count of obstruction of official proceedings, five okay. counts of false statements, including <laughs> lying to Congress, and oh, one yeah. count of witness tampering and special counsel Rob Mo- Rob Mueller. Rob Mueller. <laughs> I don't know why I suddenly want to pronounce Oakley's it like butt. Bueller. Uh, yeah, this is a throwback <laughs> because in the world, in the world we live in today, um, anything that happened before last week is a throwback because yeah. so much happens. I have no idea who. Who, who is this, Rob Mueller? 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 Uh, Special Counsel Rob Mueller's probe into possible collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign during the 2016 presidential election. So he he was indicted. Paul Manafort was indicted. Um, they're both actually were old. Convicted too. They were both. They <clears throat> yeah. were both uh, convicted. They're actually old buddies because they Aww. had a lobbyist firm together in, uh, I believe, oh, the yeah. 1980s and up to the 1990s. Gross. Uh, Manafort, uh, Roger Stone, Lee Atwater, and uh, there was one more black. Black and Atwater sounds right. Yeah, yeah. it's it sounds like a it sounds like a band made up of supervillains. Black, Atwater, or like a slick law firm, which is Manafort close to what it was. Stone. Yeah, yeah. It basically, they and it, actually at the time apparently it was it was very odd for. Um, former campaign advisors to yeah. start a lobbying firm. They were kind of the first of what they did. Yeah, kind of slimy. They're like um, lobbyists meets influencers. <laughs> the Instagram influencers of their yeah. age. Yeah, because they kind of just were hounding fame and causes that furthered their own personal interests and fame. And they, because like, so obviously when you're working in these political circles, you make connections. They were using those connections in their lobbying efforts, and <laughs> apparently at the time that was considered really kind of unorthodox. Now I'm pretty sure it's kind of distasteful. Very normal. Yeah. yeah, it's really more normal. They, they certainly were uniquely qualified, and I don't know that I certainly wouldn't say that that is a positive thing. But in terms of getting I mean, your brand out in there, general, yeah. But like, so I've lobbied as <gasps> I know, Mackenzie. I know. Sorry, I gotta defend my good name. <laughs> 
Like, I've lobbied for the re- the release of political prisoners overseas. Oh, that's very different than not. For, yeah, but, like, for PEN America and PEN International. So that's very lobbying admirable. can kind of be for any cause, which is why I say that this distinctive type of lobbying firm right. was what was so weird because it was kind of lobbying for things that we like and that give us money and further our brand and connections, which, mm-hmm. not to say that before that lobbying was all moral because it certainly wasn't but even comparing that to like uh big pharma or tobacco industry this wasn't even real industry based it was just people wanted to get sick people (laughs) wanted stuff done yeah they could connect them and actually i was go between reading this uh 2008 new yorker profile of roger stone called the dirty trickster (laughs) uh it's by jeffrey tubin and it is fascinating because actually someone actually said about Roger Stone, I can't remember who, but um, someone was criticizing the fact that throughout Stone's career, he pretended to be this, you know, kind of um, Republican Party guy who mm. promoted Republican ideas, and then when under the under the lobbying firm, he actually kind of it was like whoever had money, right, come and and just pay them to figure out how to make, get get this kind of stuff done. So he, this uh, this guy who was criticizing Roger Stone kind of put his nose up at him and was like, you know, he wasn't even fighting for the ideals he pretended to believe in. Yeah. Um, Which has become a lot more common in his wake. Like, you could say that he turned a tide in a, a sense. He seems like somebody who's like, any press is good press mm. kind of person. Even if it's against me, at least I'm making headlines. And he's made some Absolutely. pretty gross headlines. Yeah. Uh, he. So it's, it's really funny because Roger Stone, the thing he's kind of known for, <laughs> at least before 2018, so yeah. the last couple of years. Sure, yeah. Before that, he the reason why he was sort of mocked <laughs> was because he and his wife were swingers. And and, okay, I would say let's add to that the way he dresses because he looks like a cartoon <laughs> villain. It's I sometimes kind of nice. It's sometimes I'll, I'll give him that. There is this a, a Twitter account called Goth Miss Frizzle. Ooh. And oh, and see, that's kind of fun. And yet, I hate Roger Stone, so I'm very conflicted about. His oh no, Goth Miss Frizzle was mocking his his. Uh, no, but like I kind sense. of like some of his. Oh, uh, what is it? For clothing, sartorial, sartorial. There we I, go. I kind of like. Some I of knew his where sartorial. you were going, but I wasn't sure where, how you were yeah. going there. Yeah, his sartorial choices. Uh, some of them I like. It was 2017. <laughs> so he, uh, I'm sorry. They they posted this photo of Roger Stone, and said, "Dude looks like a mummified Bono. Dude looks like a racist <laughs> spikely shrinky dude. <laughs> nice to see B. Arthur's corpse getting work again. Dude looks like Jeffrey Tambor drunk out of the wrong grail." <laughs> On fire! Life, <laughs> Lifetime presents the slam poetry of Grandma Yetta. Dude looks like a villain in the in a movie about Nazis on the moon. Oh my god! This anyway. is, these are all very apt for what yes. it's worth. Look him up. Um, he dresses he dresses like a person who steals from an orphanage. Yes, and then is like taken down in the last scene of a movie. Right, he's a cartoon like kind of twenties villain. Uh, a lot of pinstripes, which I gotta say, love pinstripes. Uh, into it. I have a faux leather trench coat. I'm very much leaning into a similar look. No, no, no. I promise you, you dress a thousand times better than Roger Stone. Thank you. The faux trench coat is badass, and I think more matrixy than Roger mm, Stoney. I you appreciate know? that. Yeah. I'm I'm going for like a Hades Town vibe as well. Uh that's I respect it. That's a deep cut. Um anyways, I what I don't have though is a large tattoo of Nixon's face on my back. We're working on it. That's my yeah, next, well, our we next project is we're both going to yeah. get 
we're both gonna get tattoos of Nixon's face on our backs, and they're gonna be looking at each other. They're With, gonna kind of like, wah wah sitcom. We're like gonna 90s get the fingers, sitcom like yes. finger guns pointing at each mm-hmm. other. Um, so and this is a little background on Stone. So Stone, haha, no pun intended. <laughs> background. Uh, what I was gonna say is the the fact that he and his wife oh they swing, are swingers right. mm-hmm. is like the least. Well, I think the I weird, think the least scandalous thing that he's done. Yeah, I don't the weird care. thing that came out with that is that I think he posted an ad mm-hmm. asking for a well-hung black man. Oh yeah, which just especially for somebody who advocates go on for, fet life for heaven's sake. Yeah, and for somebody who definitely has advocated for a lot of causes that are uh, racist. Yeah, so his whole worldview is basically that if you, I think he actually told someone who was a Democratic. Uh, strategist he said are you Hispanic are you black are you gay no then why are you a Democrat he right. basically believed that it implied that the Republican Party is for for white people lower mm-hmm. and middle class and upper class white people who want the government to stay out of their business I think one of his like rules is like the Republican Party is out of the boardroom and out of the bedroom which is not even true of their own policies and so even the fact that I think the funniest thing funny with an asterisk to me about him and his wife being swingers and like posting ads for people of different races in kind of a cartoonish way is that he definitely would never actually advocate for people who are like not cishet Mm. identifying yeah and yet he's not in a traditional relationship in that sense. We were talking about this before the show, but yeah. his mentor was uh, Roy Cohn. Mm-hmm. And he, Roy Cohn is an anti-communist, <laughs> so quote-unquote anti-communist, uh, notoriously mean yeah. man. Roy Cohn advised both Roger Stone and Donald Trump. It, he was a real model for Donald Trump. He was the, he was Joseph McCarthy, Senator Joseph McCarthy, the whole like red scare, blacklisting Maca- a lot of McCarthyism. Hollywood people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anti-communist. He was his attorney in the Army McCarthy hearings, which, by the way, if you get a chance ever, Joseph Welch has a, there's a great recording of Joseph Welch, who was the attorney on the other side, just excoriating Roy Cohn and McCarthy for picking on a lower lawyer who was testifying. And he's like, at long last, sir, have you no shame? Right. And it just, it struck me as when, um, the impeachment proceedings were going on, I thought of that, but now we're connecting it to Roy Cohn. Anyways. Roy Cohn, gay. Well, a little bit of background. Roy Cohen. So, uh, so he's about, gay. About Roy Cohen, he was Roger gay. Stone. Yeah, he's he long he's dead long now. deceased. Uh, he said he's not gay. He's a man who likes to sleep with other men. Which, folks, I don't know if you knew this, but that is the actual definition of a gay man. If you're having sex with a man, and that's that's typically if you're even attracted gay. to other men. I mean, oh yeah, you know, there's a there's a whole. It's, it's certainly not the threshold, but I think once you're doing that, um, y- yeah, I don't know how else you paint <laughs> it, fellas. Is it gay to sleep with other men? Yeah, as the meme goes. Yes, it is. That's fine. Uh, that is fine but by is me. This, <laughs> and he and the reason why he said that Raycon wasn't gay is because he was not weak or effeminate. So it's obvious that he had this very stereotypical, negative, homophobic view of quote-unquote, you know, gay men. And now knowing that he has sexual encounters with men, or at least that involve other men, potentially? I believe he was, it was a it was a uh, personal ad for his wife to potentially hook up with another man. Ah, I see. For instance, in this 2008 profile, the opening scene is they're at this club called, I think it's called, like, Miami Velvet or something. It's got velvet in the name. Oh, it's brother. like a BYOB uh, oh. facility with, like, a, cause it's not even a bar because they it's don't like want to get a, a liquor license. <laughs> it's like, basically like a warehouse with, like, rooms where you can go Fuck. sleep with people. 
And it's actually really interesting because apparently this club has a waiver that you have to sign that says, like, in big letters, like, no means no. And there are signs that say, like, oh. no means no all around it. So I'm like, huh. That's Very thoughtful nice. okay. club. But he is a frequent person there. Actually, in the profile, they talk about how Roger Stone played a hand in taking down Elliot Spitzer, who was a former governor mm, of New York. Yes. And he found out that Spitzer was working with soliciting sex workers right. because he was speaking to a sex worker who was at the bar who said, oh, my friend who I work <laughs> with hooked up with Elliot Spitzer. And All so right. it's like that's kind of, he's, he's very much in. Worlds collide. The, yeah, very much like in the nitty gritty parts of our, you know, like, like this Miami Velvet Club. He's got his mitts and everything, He's got so his mitts and everything. That's kind of how he dug up dirt on people. Um, but he worked for the Reagan campaign. He was involved in the Watergate scandal uh, in kind of a tertiary sense. Thus the Nixon tattoo. I would say Watergate adjacent. By the way, my favorite thing about that is um, he, about his Nixon tattoo, he says, the women love it. And I'm like, I want to meet well, the women these women who allegedly what? love the Nixon tattoo on okay, your back. In a weird way, if if a partner of mine had that, it you would, would get a kick out of it. It would be pretty funny. Like every time you saw it, you'd be like, "Huh, Nixon!" It'd be like, "Wow, you really committed to that bit. That's great." <laughs> yeah, it does show a level of commitment to the absurd that I do enjoy. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's, um, it's a fine line let, between. Let's not encourage <laughs> Roger Stone nor well, anyone else who might get a Nixon tattoo. Do what okay, you do. do what you want to do, America. <laughs> America, we come to I'm you with a, a simple proposition. Yes. Do what you want to do. Yep. So anyway, Roger Stone has been sort of on the periphery of American politics for decades. Since uh, before Reagan, he worked on William F. Buckley Jr.'s mayoral oh, campaign. He, or, sorry, he did not work on it. He volunteered for it. He like knocked well, on doors McCarthy. and passed out Oh, pamphlets. he wasn't McCarthy. I'm so, oh my God, I need to stop. Oh yeah, also watch the Netflix documentary, Get Me Roger Stone. It's amazing. It's hmm. really, really good. Roger Stone has been convicted and so that can at least bring us to the present day over the last week the prosecutors in the case had recommended a sentencing of seven to nine years which yes. correct me if i'm wrong lawyer hat yes putting, putting here we go lawyer hat on correct me if i'm wrong I'm madam <laughs> but that was that's a pretty that's a that's a normal sentence for Absolutely. someone who has yeah he could have uh, crimes right so yeah we can set the stage now in a legal sense a little bit. So that was well within the bracket of uh, available sentences for his crimes. So when you're sentencing multiple crimes at once, you can either do concurrent sentences or consecutive. So concurrent means if, let's say, he had, let's say there are two crimes. One, you're sentenced for five years, one for three. You serve them concurrently. You serve the three years at the same time you're serving the five years, so you really only serve five years. Right. If you serve them consecutively, you're doing eight years because it's like the five years end, and then you're doing another three for the other one. You're you're That's, doing one if, by one. If, if the judge is throwing punishment. the yes, book at you, absolutely, you're gonna get consecutive. Sentences. A lot of like multiple murderers. It's like he's serving. You'll hear he was sentenced to like 130 years, which of course he's not gonna serve, but it is a way of saying a life sentence for these cumulative things. Um, and judges have a fair amount of discretion within these brackets for this one because it's both criminal and federal. You have the prosecutors coming in and making recommendations, and they actually have a fair amount of, of control themselves. I know that both sides kind of say that the other one has control. So I've heard my judge, who is now a judge but in a civil context, when he was district attorney, so he was on the prosecutor for mm -hmm. the state 
side, he's like, oh, it's it's the judge or it's the prosecutors who have control because they come in and they recommend and the judge, you know, what are they going to do if the state isn't recommending or is recommending something drastically different? On the other hand, I, I did work for a judge in the Eastern District of New York. So a federal court, same same level of judge as Judge Jackson, who is the one in the Roger Stone case. And it was interesting to hear him make the sentencing decisions, but really see how much control he had. You know, somebody would come up and make a little statement about how they are, they've reformed themselves. And he's like, you know, I, I buy this or I don't. And well, his co-conspirator did more and was sentenced to this. So there's a lot of control on both sides there, lest we believe that because the prosecutors, so the people who are working under the Justice Department, under William Barr. On behalf of the state. Yeah. uh, Lest we believe that they don't have any power. Mm. They really do have a fair amount of control here. So they came in. They recommended seven to nine years. I think that if Stone had served everything, like, consecutively and gotten the max, he was looking at, like, 20 years. Okay. But looking at the bottom threshold being, like, I don't know, a year or so, this was this seemed very fair for somebody who had seven convictions of very serious crimes that affected the country and is a public figure mm-hmm. connected to the president. Seven to nine years seems more than fair. And he dresses like he does. I and mean, you, you gotta put him You gotta add bars. a year for the shit outfits. You gotta add a year for the <clears throat> double-breasted suits, pinstripe Mm-mm-mm. suits, man. Yeah, for taking that away from the rest of us, too. Up until this point pinstripe suits to me had evoked images of beetlejuice mm. and now yeah roger stone yeah can you believe uh, it? we'll reclaim them we'll if reclaim. he ever goes to jail we'll we'll break him we'll, out again we'll both buy pinstripe uh, suits i'm looking actively <laughs> actively seeking suits but yeah okay so beginning of the week this seven to nine year recommendation from time, prosecutors. I don't understand time anymore. I, you could have said any day. Yeah, honestly, who, who, knows? who knows? Who cares? I don't know what day it is now. Anyways, within the week, the prosecutors who had recommended, and again, remember, these are prosecutors. They are not defending Roger Stone. They are the ones in charge of making the case against him, as they have done. And he was convicted based on this case. They retracted that recommendation under orders from William Barr. Who's their boss? Attorney General William Barr. Good yes. old Bill Barr. Who has never taken a controversial stance in a his reoc- role as Attorney General. A reoccurring character on this show, if you're a regular <laughs> listener. Yes. Uh, so, Bill Barr gave an order for them to retract the sentence. Yeah. Mackenzie. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. We're not saying for sure. Theoretically. Could you think of any reason why William Barr would make this order? Oh, not one. Not a a lick. Hmm. So, uh, see, Attorney General is kind of a difficult position, and we might have talked about this a little bit in the context of Mueller, hearkening back to that again, and the fact that Bill Barr was also the one, as Attorney General, who said before the Mueller report was released, oh, it exonerates the president, which was not true. But he got out ahead of the story to say something pro-president. Now, the Attorney General does not work for the president of the United States. They work for the people. and in Ideally, the president would also work for the people. <laughs> right, crazy. But they are not the president's defense lawyer, which is an easy mistake to make in this context because the president needs and has so many defense lawyers. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's another one of the coterie. But in fact, the attorney general, the most you can say is that he serves the executive branch, which is not the individual person in office. 
but it is kind of complicated because he's also been appointed by the president and can be, I believe, can be removed by the president. So it's it's kind of... At the very least... A tenuous position. The president can pressure him to resign, which we saw with... I don't know if you remember. We actually had a different attorney general under this president. Oh, boy. If you remember Jeffrey Sessions, Jeffrey Beauregard Oh, Sessions, my God. Which I almost <laughs> forgot about him because... The relative moral force between the two. Oh, I my mean, Lord. His sessions had so many. I, I can't even say that because he had so he ugh, so many recommendations. They rolled back so much oh, that the previous wait. administration had done. And Sessions assumed office as a nominee who had, when he was appointed to, to some lower previous position, uh, I believe Coretta Scott King, Martin Luther King's wife, wrote like a formal public letter saying please don't ever elect or appoint this man to any position of power he is a horrible racist and he's a monster and he will do damage to our society and he was the one who came into office talking about how he wanted how weed should not be legal and how he was going to roll back states rights to legalize weed which from a criminal justice standpoint is just a terrible position to take yeah and so he ironically recused himself from anything relating to the Mueller investigation and forever incurring the wrath of the president pissed Trump off he's like you gotta unrecuse yourself which uh is impossible it was a conversation then people are like I don't think you can really do that that's uh, it's one of those things that is so absurd that it has not been done and as we have been pushed so many times under this administration to be like we never thought we'd have to ask that, so Can we didn't we really that? have a contingency plan for yeah. what if people just do whatever Did that. Yeah, so we never reached that because then he uh, resigned. Yes. And again, so even though I, we're not totally, so just to be clear, we're not totally sure whether or not William Barr can be fired by the president. Um, I, can he? So, I'm yes, he's, he's removable. Executive officers are removable point blank without cause the attorney general i think is removable without cause without cause but trump could pressure him to resign and absolutely and and then also for cause is is a bit of a subjective standard and so if you say you know we have irreconcilable differences essentially or that william barr is going to consciously uncouple himself from this administration yeah the, like some pointed policy difference who the hell is gonna stop anybody so the theory that we will present to you today mm-hmm. is that it's possible that Barr was under pressure from the president because Roger Stone had been convicted of a crime when he was assisting the president, their buddies, their pals. Oh, yeah. Um, they've had their differences. In the 2008 New Yorker profile, uh, Trump did say that Roger was a stone cold loser. Get it? Apparently, their feelings warmed. Oh, yeah, it's a pun. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Apparently their feelings rewarmed. They reheated those feelings. Mm. Roger Stone worked on Trump's behalf um, during the during 2016, and then then he was convicted for crimes that he committed in assistance to the president. Yeah. As a side note, it's kind of interesting that this is all hitting the fan so much right now because ultimately, and I think we even entertained this when when Stone was convicted. These are federal crimes. Trump could easily pardon Stone, and certainly has no qualms about doing that. Um, I mean, he's pardoned war criminals. Yeah, and he pardoned Joe Arpaio, which really sticks out in my mind because he's the uh, the sheriff in Arizona. He was. Um, and just an abhorrent man. And there's no basis for, for receiving a pardon. So uh, 
it's not as if there was no out and this the optics of it never stopped Trump in the past. So Yeah, I, and I think that Trump is sort of signaling now that a pardon could potentially uh, happen so yeah the, but like the, why the theory, dirty your hands now i well i guess because he knows that he has no yeah, accountability yeah exactly um so the theory is that potentially trump could have pressured Barr to give the order to pull the recommendation for seven nine years i think that's pretty clear because um the day after the recommendation became public the initial recommendation so the seven to nine years um Trump tweeted something about like how this was a miscarriage of justice and it was gross and unfair and then promptly thereafter and who knows the inner workings of the actual timeline but obviously one thing came out it triggered backlash from the president and then uh, we walked back the sentencing recommendation the new sentencing recommendation I believe recommends no jail time and let me confirm that even if behind the scenes Trump did not pressure Barr all Barr has to do is look at the president's Twitter feed to know what the president wants. Right. So, so if he wants to keep him happy, all absolutely. he has to do is have a Twitter. Okay, so the government, the government, the people, the prosecution, respectfully submits that a sentence of incarceration far less than 87 to 108 months imprisonment. And think of how they framed that, too. Mm. That they put it in months so it just looks absurd. 87 to 108 months incarceration. Hundreds of hours. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of hours. So they say, the government submits that it should be a lot less than that. And then they say, we defer Even to though judge. the government had already recommended seven or nine years. That, it, that was their recommendation, yes. Um, and then it says but we defer to Judge Jackson, who ultimately would issue the sentence anyways, and always would. It's not like this is a special case. Like, obviously, in the end, you defer to the judge because you do. They're not making a formal recommendation of how little they want it to be, but they're saying we retract the seven to nine years because it would just be an overstatement and a gross miscarriage to serve that many months. But, like, do what you want, Judge. And then... Directly after that, uh, all four prosecutors involved in the case submitted motions to withdraw as counsel. Withdraw as yeah. counsel. Yeah. So this is also something that's very interesting because um, there are two ways to withdraw as counsel. There are some situations where you have to withdraw because you know if somebody's asking you to assist in a crime, um, if your client is asking you to assist in a crime, there are certain things that you just cannot. If you want to keep your law license you can't keep representing them to do that. There are other times when it's discretionary and you can ask to withdraw because of, you know, differences of opinion or that you're at an impasse or that you can't contact your client anymore. Uh, Those, granting those types of motions also totally at the judge's discretion. And I was telling Brooke before we started recording that this is something that my judge and I as his court attorney have, we've fielded that in the past and oftentimes the judge will say no, not until or unless you give me more information on why you need to withdraw, because sometimes it hurts the posture of the case, sometimes it hurts the client, sometimes it seems like weird, suspicious circumstances right. that should be disclosed to the court. You're losing all that lawyer's knowledge about the case. Yes, and if the reason for withdrawing relates to the case, there's also kind of a sometimes competing duty to reveal certain facts. So. Uh, I forget who said it. It was either Preet Bharara or my former law professor, John Barrett, who used to be counsel to counsel on the Iran-Contra affair. Uh, So both of them pretty well qualified to Mm. comment on this sort of thing. But it was one of them who said, 
I would like Judge Jackson to kind of push into why these lawyers are withdrawing before yeah. granting their motion. I'm not sure where that stands now. At least now. press them on that. Yeah. yeah, like what is your what's your reason? Because I think at this point it really is in the public interest to know that. Um, the other thing that I'd add to the withdrawal is that actually two of the attorneys who asked to withdraw, one of them is resigning from the Justice Department altogether. One of them is resigning from the DC office. Yeah. As a as a consequence of this. So it's They very much they strongly felt that this was something is objectable. Yeah. Yeah. Objectionable. Mm-hmm. Objectable? Objectionable. Thank you. Yeah. So Yeah, so that's a pretty br- big deal. My brain is also fresh. And um we oh we paralleled this also to the Saturday Night Massacre, which to marry Nixon and impeachment. Don't and sell yourself short. Good you compared shit. it oh, well. to the Saturday Night Massacre. It is similar. Sorry, I cut you off. No, it's fine. <laughs> Coming um, up to compliment me. I love it. Mackenzie has all of this depth of knowledge. It's really cute. Oh, you stop. But yeah, so the Saturday Night Massacre was happened around the time of the Nixon impeachment. It, you know, it was another case where the president has a weirdly conflicting sometimes power over the Justice Department and the Attorney General. Uh, and so he was kind of saying don't do xyz don't keep investigating this stonewall against subpoenas and one person after another would say no we're not going to carry forward your request they would get fired the next person in line would say no they got fired and and so on and so on until somebody eventually uh complied and then at around the same time the supreme court ruled on the subpoenas and said no the executive does not have privilege here you have to turn whatever over and so it kind of became a non-issue at that point what a way to go though i know if if you're gonna get mass fired yes i hope hell history books acknowledge it as like the saturday night massacre it sounds it sounds like such a stand for it is a stand for something but it's like yeah yeah, if you're gonna go down go down in flames man Mm -hmm. really and this is when you, you think about like the effect of things like impeachment on somebody's moral legacy yeah those people like john dean was one of them pointedly as opposed to haldeman haldeman was very immoral john dean was very moral um and kind of turned on and sorry for the listeners at home and also for me who doesn't know this could you explain who those people were so uh john dean was white house counsel okay and so he was party to a lot of the goings-on setting the stage for watergate i don't think he fully knew what they meant at the time right like he didn't realize how yeah. watergate would decades later still be the term we used for a huge political right upset. yeah but he eventually then turned on uh i mean turned on has a negative implication that i don't at all mean to to lend but he gave hours and hours and hours of testimony about everything that happened people didn't believe him at the time because it was just so absurd and haldeman who was white house chief of staff he was pro Nixon to mm. the end, and he essentially testified, "No, no, none of this happened. He's lying." And then, of course, the uh, tapes came out, and Proved John he was lying. John Dean was was vindicated. Yeah, and John Dean actually uh, still around and made a lot of really cogent points and warnings during the current impeachment about parallels and risks and oh all that good goodness. stuff. Um, okay, so so right after so the yeah. the four prosecutors submitted motions to withdraw as counsel and then immediately after this happened uh trump tweeted congratulating bill barr for intervening in the case and saying that the case perhaps should have never been brought forth which again is a signal that he may pardon roger stone 
I would not be surprised. And At this point, what does he have to lose? Keeping in mind that, like, a lot of the things that Roger Stone was convicted for were done in furtherance of defending in the, Trump. Yeah, in, yeah. The, in so, the service of the president. Yeah. So, so no kidding. Um, and then, right after that, Bill Barr goes on ABC News for an interview and says that it would really help him do his job if the president could just stop tweeting about it. Which, to me, says... Yeah. Listen, if you want me to, in, in my personal opinion, again, this is not a fact, this is my personal opinion, it's almost a way to say, like, if you want me to keep doing this shit, shh, you gotta stop, stop making it so obvious, you know? Oh my god. that Maybe that's it, because it, the irony to me was, the headline was that Barr says he will not be bullied, and the Justice Department will not be bullied by the president. It's like, you literally just did his bidding. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yes, you will. You this just means don't nothing. Like, you just don't like the president gloating in the fact that you'll be bullied. Right. You don't like him Like, we're not going to do it next time. It's like somebody who should break up with their partner, and they're like, next time I swear I'm leaving. Yeah. After staying this time. Yeah, next so time. <laughs> yes, you will be bullied, and uh, Next I time will... they come home drunk, I'm definitely going to leave. And it's like, yeah, no, you're not. So don't you do it. <laughs> um, this time I will quote who I know to be Preet, who said... In the wake Preet, of this article, former Attorney General for New York State, yeah, uh, yeah, for Southern District. Oh no, I'm sorry. Was he Attorney General? Yeah, he was Southern District, but only I think. Southern District, yeah, not yeah, the yeah, whole state. Yeah, because he's federal. Yeah, okay. Um, who was also fired by Trump because not for anything specific, but just like I want my people in there. Which, to be fair, previous administrations did big cleanouts. They did big cleanouts, but this one was a, a little bit unprecedented because there was no indication that Preet would not be a good person to fill this right. role and there and also he was so oh my gosh george conway actually advised trump to fire he validated trump firing and george conway was later on pre Barrera's show and he's like i think i got you fired man because he said something along the lines of i understand wanting your own people george conway roles. husband of kellyanne conway who their who their marriage is part of the resistance just, yeah and we're all party to their weird sex game i don't like it i don't like george conway I'm i just like say, george conway in a relative sense he is it feels so it feels so performative mm. and i'm like what you're just you're just tweeting like what are you actually doing he makes some good points though and i i think that it's important to have people on that side of the aisle who all right are bastions of morality even if i wouldn't want to hang out with them Whatever. I do just imagine Kellyanne Ugh. Conway and George Conway. I'm not going to say anything explicit, but you're like sitting on the couch next to you, like watching a movie, but furiously tweeting angry tweets that like are yeah. passive aggressive toward each other. And we'll leave it up to you to fill in the blank of where that goes. And I don't want to be any part of it. I don't. They have kids. It's kind of sad. How do those kids come to? Was there? Ugh, I don't know. Anyway, okay. Uh, okay, but my pre my pre tweet pre tweet tm uh, after this bizarre headline came out that Barr was like, I won't be bullied, but I just was. Uh, said, I think Bill Barr is shrewd, deliberate, smart, calculating, careful, and full of it. Ooh, Preet. Ooh! Need <laughs> some ice for that burn. <laughs> so that was snappy. It. We can, yeah, we can leave uh, yeah, we'll, them we'll, behind for we'll now. We'll update you on whatever weird situation this goes into later. It's um, to move on from that, let's just, uh, what did you want to talk about? What we'll do greatest hits. Thing? Okay, Colonel Vindman was fired, uh, for those of you who remember. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, who, he was a witness in the impeachment trial and actually was the one who brought forward the complaint 
uh, he was concerned that the call between Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky had been inappropriate and mm-hmm. was worried that there had been a quid pro quo. He reported that to his superiors, and then he and his brother were yeah. both fired the same day. And this was after promises from the White House that he wouldn't suffer any reprisals, he would not be fired, there wouldn't be this, like, retaliation. Reprisals. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And also, I think that Vindman was particularly memorable. Very honorable person, has served bravely. I think he has a purple heart. Um, and he said Decorated at the beginning... veteran, yeah. Yeah, uh, he said at the beginning of his House testimony, like, don't worry, Dad, I'll be safe because I'm doing what's right, or something along Telling those lines. Telling the truth. Yep. But you know what? And now he's lost his, his life's work. I... I hope that he will go. I mean, he's going to find some. Uh, right. I think he'll be work. okay. But what a, a blow. And what a brazen move. History on will probably see him kindly. I it'll think that it'll vindicate. Ha ha. Huh. Hey, I'm on fire. Uh, but it is. It's so. It's such a banana republic move oh, to it's not only. You know, have the witness who testified against you be uh, carted out, but then also his brother, like, uh, right. punching the family members as well. That's getting really into some, like, strong. Tyrannical yes. yeah. territory. Um, and then also uh, Ambassador Sondland, who also testified against hmm. Trump, he was also fired. So we're cleaning house because we still have the house. Because they still the have the house. house which it's is very the White clear house. that he, I think that um, it shows that Trump, post impeachment, not only did not feel at all like, he didn't feel at all censured by yes. the impeachment. And in fact, probably feels only, empowered right. because only a he's realizing what, yeah. that he's not going to be held accountable well, because the, the mean, Senate will not hold him accountable. We've talked about that in the past, that it's very clear that his pattern is each transgression that he gets away with and gets away with here, meaning like retaining the office. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, he's emboldened to do the next thing. It's not like, oh boy, better watch myself because I got close that time. It's more like, look what I can do. Let's um, see. Let's see where my ceiling is on this. Yeah, how let's far see we how can much take room it. I have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then another thing that I thought was worth mentioning was that the Equal Rights Amendment, which we've mentioned briefly in the past, would give women equal rights under the Constitution. Uh, crazy. We do not have that yet. For what it's worth, I know a lot of people think we do. We don't. Um, Thirty-eight. Virginia became the thirty-eighth state to ratify the amendment, which then would send it to the next stage in terms of numbers of states. Because uh, 34 was the number that it needed to... 38. 38, but, sorry. Yeah. 38 was the number that it needed to be moved forward, right? It's like a super majority. It, that's what you need to amend the Constitution. And so it was a big deal that Virginia did. Um, and the House now, accordingly, has voted to reintroduce it to keep it moving on the process of amending the Constitution. We'll keep you updated with that again. So what's the next step now? So it's, it's a little bit tough because there was a bill that kind of accompanied this amendment's proposal that gave it a deadline for ratification and that deadline Mm. post 1972 so it was a long period of time but i think it expired something like three years ago okay so a very arbitrary sort of thing but then there was another vote to repeal that after the deadline passed so it's kind of like who's going to credit what and i actually there's an interesting article about an interview that Justice Ginsburg did at a, a bar association, an ABA event last week about the ERA. And she said that she actually would be theoretically more in favor of just a new amendment because there have actually been some states that have discussed retracting 
their ratification. Interesting. Okay. So she's like, if we're going to credit Virginia, how can we not credit those who have withdrawn theirs? I again, I didn't look any more into it than seeing okay. that. But she, so yeah, yeah we'll, we'll let you know if I think moves forward with that yeah, in the future. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we got. Oh, to and the, Bernie won the primary in New Hampshire. Yeah, Bernie won the primary primary in New Hampshire. Not a big we surprise. We still do not have full and accurate. We have not been. It has not been proven that we have full and accurate uh, results from the Iowa caucus. They did end up rolling out the last three percent, and I think that Bernie be, Buttigieg uh, beat Bernie by like a point one oh, percentage point. It was, it was cra- and what's crazy the margin like of that. error there? Oh my god! Exactly, and and they were going to recanvas. They still haven't yet. Which recanvassing would just mean that they would go through. They would like go through everything with a fine tooth comb so that voter like poll repoll people. But it doesn't matter anymore because really. I was just kind of a media win, and we've already moved on from that. I think that they. And so um, it was a, a decisive media loss for just about everybody. Different reasons, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so in, in New Hampshire, Bernie won. Um, it's going to be an interesting race from here on forward because we have South Carolina coming up. Uh, That's Biden, a big one. Yeah. Who's been really doing poorly in the polls, kind and of in the sanity quotient. Uh, he's had some really, really rough moments lately, folks. And dog it's face? Beginning to, yeah, he called a voter in New Hampshire a dog face line pony soldier, which apparently is a John Wayne quote. But she <laughs> asked him about okay. Iowa losses, and he called her a, 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 a dog face line pony well. soldier two days before the New Hampshire primary, which is... Um, it's a rational response, though. It's I, never a good thing to say, but yeah. especially two days before the primary. I think it was a woman... And somebody She's a like, twenty one year old woman, yeah, oh, very college nice. student, yeah. Very nice. Um somebody like Andrew McCabe or some Trump person was like, Imagine if, if Trump had said something like that, it's like, dude, he He said much worse than did. that. Yeah. yeah. He's called women dogs many times. Yeah. Um but also it was funny because like, all the headlines were like, Oh, he was joking. And I'm like, How many times are we gonna That's get Biden funny. in the past? Yeah. For, he's clearly not doing well. Oh yeah, no mentally on top of it being very politically insulting, are, Are you okay? okay? Do you need someone to come pick you up? He has told voters, he's literally pulled voters in inches from his face and said, you know what? Vote for somebody else. Like, okay. he's gotten questions. He's gotten questions at town halls and such when he's, like, meeting voters. Who, who, they've asked him questions, and he's literally told them to their face, go vote for somebody else. Look, we're converging with Onion headlines on both sides of the aisle now. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but Biden, at least um, as of, like, last week, he was polling really high in South Carolina. Also, apparently, Tom Steyer's doing really well in South Carolina. I have why? no idea why. But, yeah, South Carolina's huge. And then we have Super Tuesday coming up in, yeah. uh, in March. Also, the uh, damn! I wish we would have done this before. If you are not registered to vote, ah, you can't yeah, vote no. in, the pri- in New York State. You're not. You can't vote in the well, primaries. Well, check there are, in other states. Yeah, um, you can go on. Almost every state, I'm pretty sure, has a database where you can check your registration. Um, in New York, it's um, I think it's like mydmv. Dot .ny.gov or something. I, that's where I went to check mine, and I had to change my affiliation because I found out that I apparently had accidentally registered as a member of the Green Party at some point. Yeah. Uh, but you can change your address online. You can register to vote. Just make sure you're registered. And the party du- triple check that you're registered with makes a big difference now because you can't vote in the primary if you're not affiliated with that party. It, you have to mm-hmm. be registered in the party that you want to vote for. And that's um, because you don't want people from primary. other parties coming to Messing mess with, with and voting actually- for unviable candidates. I posted yeah. I posted an Instagram story about the fact that I was registered with the wrong party and um, someone responded to me. It was so funny. They were like, uh, I think it was a listener who responded and said that he got drunk in 2016 <gasps> and registered as a Republican. And his friend said, 
yeah, you got really drunk and you're watching the news and you started mumbling, I'm going to fuck with their private. <laughs> <laughs> and then you registered as a Republican. And I was like, you know what? I I respect the dedication, man. That's amazing. It's a tactic. You know what? <laughs> it is. Um, your mind's in the right place. But <laughs> anyway, re- register to vote. Ask your friends if they're we'll registered to vote. We'll try to see. I, I feel like there is some more universal thing that we could post maybe in the show description. Yeah. To- or I can also put... Um, but just this is a good way to cap the show. Yeah, I'll post something on my Instagram about where you can maybe find your. If there's uh, something site that's state that, universal, yeah. yeah, and and if you need the reminder, let this be it. Do it right now. Yeah, it's out. it's super easy to check. Go on your phone, check online, and then yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Brooke Angeline. You can follow me on Twitter, BKE Rogers Mackenzie. I am MKZ Joy Brennan on Instagram, and I'm Get Me to a Nunnery on Twitter with the number two. With the number instead two, of the get word. Me uh, as always, let us know how, your thoughts and feelings. DM us. We if love you seeing what you have to say. And have a it. subject you'd like to hear about. Let us know. Yeah. Um, if you have questions that you want us answer, to answer on the show, let us know. And also, I hate this part, but <laughs> leaving us reviews on like Apple really yeah. helps us. Now that we're back, if you're just yeah. Now that we're give us back, a little boost. Um, it we helps us a lot. Be endlessly grateful. Subscribe. And we love you so much. Um, and we miss you. And we'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Right, good night. Guys, I love bye. you.